1: Thanks for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. My name is Carrie Charles, your host, and I'm so glad you are here. We have with us today the Chief Executive Officer of Fullerton, Kelly Lazuka. Kelly, thanks so much for joining me. I'm so excited about this conversation. Thank you for having me, Carrie. I am too. So Kelly, I just love your story. I really (laughs) do. So, and you know, your journey and how you got to where you are. So please, can you tell us? Sure. I started in the industry in 99
2: and I started with SAC and it was a very small company at that time. I think I might've been the 22nd employee, if I remember right. And over the years, they grew into this enormous turnkey service offerings company. And it was a great journey there. And I had a lot of good experiences. And I was able to move from Site X specialist. And I remember my first assignment was out trying to get farmers to sign leases for AT&T for a a big piece of their land. And they would invite us in for dinner. They felt sorry for us kids like on the road, eating fast food all the time. And and we would have, I had the best experience doing that. And we met some really nice, wonderful people. And then over the years, I just followed the leadership tracks there and went from a project manager to a program manager To a troubleshooter, to I had these various titles. And then in 2011, my boss came to me and said, I have this really great idea and here's what it is. Now go figure out how to architect it. And it was a trademarked idea from SAC called the Engine Room, and it is trademarked. And it was just a, a centralized concept of performing front end services, almost like a factory. And so we opened the doors to that concept in 2012, April of 2012. And from there, it just kind of took off and it was a panic for me. I had to hire all these people. I think we had to hire start off with like 110 people. Well, there weren't 110 people sitting at home waiting for my phone call, that's for sure, at that time. So we kind of had to get a little creative. We just partnered with our staffing companies and got people that had relevant skills and transferable skills. And I used to joke when I said I had everything from hairdressers to MBA there, but to <laughs> get Ruth. and I called a lot of my family members to get them in. And now, when I look back at that, it was crazy for sure. But now I look at where all of these young people ended up now, and there a lot of them are in positions where they are at customers of mine and in positions to give out work and to manage vendors and to manage teams. So that is so rewarding for me to be able to see that. And then you know, it was time for me to leave. Nokia purchased SAC, and it was time for me to leave. And I honestly, in 20. 21, I thought about opening my own thing. And I'm so glad I didn't now, (laughs) given the industry as it is. And I was approached by Fullerton and they said they needed somebody to run their wireless division, which included their site acquisition, engineering, and utility coordination. And so
1: I came into Fullerton as president of that division. And a year later, they named me SEO. Huge. And it sounds like in your career, you just said yes over and over again. And you were always hungry for growth. I think that's the message. Don't be afraid to learn something new. Even if you, even if you're, it's
2: what do they say about being uncomfortable, right? That's how you grow. And I had, I was fortunate
1: enough to have great people behind me, like teaching me as I went and that, that I was very lucky. So who is Fullerton now? I know that there's been a few changes. Yes. So
2: they started out as strictly an engineering and design firm in 98. And they did that for a long time. And they were very successful at it. And then in, in about 2012 to 2015, they started adding all these other services, fiber design, DAS design, DAS installation, site acquisition. And so they started kind of adding all of these, these new services and they started to grow and then in 2019 they added the construction the in-house you know some construction services and so now they went from this kind of boutique A&E firm to this full turnkey services provider and that's a really exciting scary that kind of growth that quickly but it's really exciting because it makes them it makes Fullerton way more relevant now in what's happening customers want to give out work where they can have a vendor do more than one service line and so that's where we're at right now. And along that journey, Fullerton became not just a tier two, tier three vendor to the big dogs that were providing services directly for the carriers and tower companies. We've now become a tier one provider. So we do work directly for carriers and tower companies also. We still provide tier two services for the, the other companies that we
1: have in the past, but we were a nice mix now, a nice combination of both. So you just underwent a major rebrand. What was, yes. you know, tell me the why behind it. And I love your new website, by the way. We'll talk about oh, that in thank
2: a <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. Yes, we did. Just a couple of weeks ago, we went through a rebrand. It became very clear to me that our website and our logo still kind of screamed engineering only. And I have people that would say, I didn't know you guys did construction you know i customers say oh you you guys do utility coordination i didn't know that and so it was it became very clear that we had to get a better message out to the industry to our customers that we are now a larger player and we always did engineering very well. We still do it very well. It is our core competency, but we also do a lot of other things very well. So that was the crux behind the rebrand. And so the new logo, we are still Fullerton Engineering LLC. That is our legal entity name, but we just dropped that moniker and went, as we're talking about ourselves, it's Fullerton and we design, we develop and we construct. And that I think really sums up the service offerings regardless of the division, DAS, fiber, site acquisition, it sums up everything that we do as an organization.
1: So Kelly, one thing I know about you and also that people have told me is that you are masterful at building a powerhouse team. Mm -hmm. And I know when we talked earlier, you said that you changed a little bit the way that you attract and develop talent. So what would you say is different now? So our industry is not that
2: large. It may seem big, but it's not that big. And there is not this pool of really talented leaders sitting out there constantly looking for jobs. And so, yeah, I do have a powerhouse team and credit to them because they're amazing. But that team, a lot of that team was built from within, whether at my previous organization or here. We have a commitment to building a leadership pipeline from within the organization because that is To me, I always thought that was super strategic and really forward thinking when it came to talent development and recognizing that potential and value of those existing employees, that really adds to our culture of growth and opportunity, which is what we're trying to do here. So we achieve that kind of creating these leaders through various ways. Mentorship programs are one. In the next month, Fullerton's getting ready to roll up our Pathway to Leadership program, which we're really excited about that. Leadership training. This is something everybody talks about. But it's really hard to, how do you bring someone in or what trainings do you do? It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Your benefits provider, your payroll company, if you're using an outsourcing HR, these companies sometimes have those leadership trainings built in. You just have to tap into them. And so we're making those available to our future leaders. And then skill development workshops. This is something also that I really believe in. We just don't do it. So we are going to start on a regular basis throughout the years, bringing in, having, uh, hosting different workshops and bringing in speakers to talk about things like being a better negotiator, better time management, things that are actually topics that are tailored to nurture and cultivate these emerging leaders. And employees here, they're encouraged to take on new challenges and responsibilities. I had a young woman come to me a little bit ago and said, hey, I'm a PM for SiteAct, but I really want to learn construction. Well, that just warmed my heart. We found a way for her to kind of start learning that. She became a PM on the construction side, And now a couple months ago, we named her director of our construction services. So we really encourage people to learn. Like you said earlier, you don't say no, right? You let them try new things. You're investing in the employee's professional growth. It not only gives you this great pool of leaders, but it creates the sense of loyalty and commitment from your employees and they don't leave then. And that's great because now you're providing stability within your organization and for your customers. There's not disruption with turnover. So -hmm. that's kind of what we're doing here because the leadership piece,
1: whether you're man, woman, I don't care. If you're interested in it, we're gonna give that to you here at Fullerton. Wow, we can learn from that for sure. Can you go a little deeper into the Fullerton culture? What is it like to work at Fullerton? Well, I like to think it's
2: okay. You know, you'd have to talk to my employees, I suppose, but it's gone through a a change. There's no doubt about it. Since I've been here, I've even noticed a change. It used to be that each division was kind of every division for itself, right? Every man and woman for itself. And that doesn't work when you have customers who are asking for multiple service lines for either the same program or multiple programs, but the same customer. And so our culture is one we've shifted to a more collaborative culture, We have all of these skilled people, engineers, project managers, designers. It was so vital that they come together to be able to develop these really kind of creative solutions for our customers. And when customers require more than one of our service lines, that internal communication and collaboration, it has to be tight. Otherwise, we're not doing what we're saying we're going to do for them, which is reduce their PM burden. And so... Collaboration is big here on the culture now. Uh, It didn't used to be. And the pace of change in our industry is so fast. It's just rapid that now we do put that emphasis on continuous learning, but we also put it on adaptability. So the culture here is one of very malleable that we structure our organization, our delivery to that of our customers to make it easier for them. I mentioned that really empower our leaders here. That's another piece of our culture I think is important. You know, trusting people to move quickly and make the right decisions is very hard for all of us. But it's, what I stress here is that if you are hiring these people, you need to hire people that you trust and they're going to make mistakes. That's okay. First and foremost, that's a learning experience. But secondly, we're not doing brain surgery here. If they make a mistake, it, it'll be very rare that you can't help walk it back. And it is, again, a learning experience. So giving people the right authority, it can be hard, but it comes with unique ideas and solutions to problems that we may not have otherwise thought of. And lastly, the culture here is one of high ethical. Consideration, transparency, honesty, whether
1: it's internally or with our customers, it's practiced daily here. So, Kelly, being a woman in telecom, and I know that we've gotten better with diversity in our industry just since I've been in the industry. And I believe, what has it been now? Seven, eight years. But we still have challenges here. Mm -hmm. And what is your strategy to attract and retain and even promote women? To leadership roles. We talk about this a lot, Carrie. You've spoken on this topic
2: in depth. I've spoken on this topic a couple of times. And really what it, the first thing that needs to happen is the company has to buy into it. If we can talk about wanting to be more diverse, we can talk about wanting to promote women into positions of authority and leadership. If the company doesn't make the commitment, it's just words, right? So for Fullerton, we have a board that is committed to doing that. So that's really the first step is to get that buy-in. And then the next step really for me we just changed how we recruited. We worked our job descriptions. We really looked at what we want, what what is absolutely necessary in a candidate versus what we'd like to have, but we could teach also because statistics show that women, they don't have almost 100% of the qualifications listed in that job description. They will not even apply. Whereas men feel that if they have 60% 60% of those qualifications, they do apply and they should. It's just there's that huge confidence gap there. So, how do we as an organization close that gap? And for us, it's making sure that we are attracting female candidates by actually understanding what it is that's absolutely necessary versus what our wish list is what we've also started doing is just not limiting ourselves to the resource pool that we think would be appropriate, right? We kind of need to open up our minds. And so I'm going to give you an example. Take a chance on moms. Okay. Moms take care of their business. Okay. They're organized. They're multitaskers. They're great in a crisis. We're basically built for crisis when you have kids, but they care about their children, which means they will care about their employees. And That empathy, you see it all over LinkedIn. You see it all over social media. Empathy, empathy, empathy. Mothers have empathy and they get things done. So maybe they've been out of the workforce a little bit, but we need to tailor our approach to making sure we're not missing out untapped resource, right? And lastly, what I think is important to attract and retain is we need to tailor our benefits. The benefits at some of these companies are so outdated. We're actually working on our our benefits package as well right now. Many women like me, married or single, But if you're working full-time and you're raising a family, you're taking care of a house, you're doing laundry, you're packing lunches, you're doing homework, all of these things are happening. We need flexible hours. So it's important that we don't measure. Companies have to take into account not measuring productivity by quantity of hours, but rather by the quality of impact. Eternity leave, access to additional trainings, a transparent view of salary uh, bands and career pathing on how to move from level to level. Those types of things are important to women. They would be important to me if I was out there looking for a job right now. So, and that would be attractive to me, even more so than pay or title, because you can build that once you get in there. You can show what you bring to the table and what's in your wheelhouse once you get in there. But
1: if you have some flexibility to work with it initially, that is incredibly attractive. So many women have had male mentors and I know mm-hmm. that I've had incredible men that have helped me in my career as well as broadstaff. And how would you say that, you know, what role can men play? in supporting the career growth of women?
2: I'm like you, Carrie. I was really fortunate to have a couple of men advocate for me as I grew up in this industry. There weren't a lot of female role models 20 years ago in our industry, unfortunately. That has changed now, and I'm glad to see that. But they recognize my value and what I brought to the table, so I, like you, feel very lucky. But nowadays, men can really play a crucial role by... First of all, actively participating and fostering that inclusive work environment, being allies and advocates. Men don't realize that they can use their positions of influence to truly amplify the voices of their female colleagues and ensure that their contributions are recognized and valued. And just because we have a lot more female mentors these days, men can still actively mentor and sponsor women women, and provide that guidance and advice and opportunities for skill development, career advancement. And by championing the women's achievements and potential, men can start to break down those gender stereotypes. I think they have more clout in that area than they realize. And most importantly, men can give credit where credit is due and
1: deserved. And I'll just leave it at that. Love that answer. So in the industry, especially in construction, yeah, companies find it very difficult to maintain diversity. I mean, when we're just talking about a diverse candidate pool, diverse teams, they find it very difficult, especially in today's environment when it's mm-hmm. even still in, this, in the economic times we're in, it's still difficult to find good people. So what could we do better as an industry when it comes to diversity? It start, It really starts
2: with the individual organization. And it goes from there, I think. So diversity, not just gender, but just diversity in general is what you're talking about, Carrie. And I think it starts with training. I think it starts with diversity and inclusion training. And again, the company needs to commit to providing that on a regular basis. We here at Fullerton, we started our employee engagement committee and it has five pillars. And one of the pillars is diversity and inclusion. And the very first thing on that agenda is diversity training for all of our employees. And if people are trained properly, it does lead to advocating for equal opportunities and fair representation at all levels. So maybe right now, like for me, my leadership level right now is lacking in diversity. And I'm really focusing on how, whether that's new hiring practices, targeting more diverse resource pools, implementing ERGs, but I'm working right now on how I can increase the diversity, especially at that leadership level, because that's important. And I don't know. I think that leaders really need to actively listen and engage in conversations with their people so that they understand the experiences that they're having in the workplace, the path that they want to go. It really fosters this deeper understanding of the challenges that the underrepresented groups may face. But it's not just listening to them. It's actually taking that feedback, making it actionable in ways to that will create that more inclusive and diverse workforce where everybody wants to be a part of.
1: So let's switch gears a bit. In just 12 months, the economy, the industry, everything's shifted. How are you adjusting to these new conditions? Are there any changes that you've made at Fullerton? Yeah, that's a hard truth. It
2: really has slowed down on the macro side considerably. Um, Fortunately, we're still seeing the spend on the DAS and the fiber small cell programs. So that's good for Fullerton because it does keep two of our four divisions busy. Our wireless services and construction teams are being hit just like many others in the industry. And we've gotten a little, we had to pivot like a lot of companies. And I think you and I spoke about this in the past, Carrie, just how do you kind of expand your service offerings? So we got a little creative and we focused on And what additional needs can we fill for these customers in the meantime? So little things that are still very important to our customers, but things they might not get to when they're super busy in the midst of huge deployments. So things like data integrity, audits, maintenance, mopping their bathroom floors, whatever we can position ourselves, right? For those, even if they're lower ticket items in the whole revenue game, but if we keep ourselves in front of these customers doing the smaller things that are important, we can then position ourselves with those same clients when the floodgates open back up. So for us, we did, we looked at our two slower divisions and we came up with a couple different things that might keep us afloat right now. And really it's just about listening to our customers along the way. So We knew that there was some data integrity issues with some of our customers' files months ago because we heard them saying that. And we kind of banked that, right? And so now that they've slowed down, we figured out that need and figured out a solution to fill that need. And so that's the best advice I can give,
1: even if it's not in your traditional scope. So there's so much talk now about the bead funding, the $42 billion, Mm -hmm. the infrastructure money that's going to be flooding the economy, the industry. So how will Fullerton participate in bridging this digital divide? Yeah, that was a great announcement, right? A couple of weeks ago.
2: And Fullerton design work for many of the companies who will most likely participate in this program. So we do have relationships built, which is is really good for us. We already do several large fiber to the home programs on the design side. So we do have a ton of experience in this area already. This is such an important initiative, one that was really highlighted during COVID due to the lack of connectivity in so many rural areas. And we're just really excited to be able to bring our knowledge and experience and participate in supporting these efforts for these underserved areas, because it is so critical as we bridge that digital divide. So we're excited about it. hundred million plus per state
1: is significant. Yes, it is. It is very exciting. So let's look into the future. <laughs> okay. Give me a picture of Fullerton five years from now. Like what's, what's your vision? I get this question a lot since I've, I've taken
2: this role. And Sometimes it's hard to imagine during, especially during a downturn like this, all you're thinking about is how am I going to keep things afloat right now? Right. But it is important that we set those goals. So right now we're focusing on our construction division and the growth of that division will help us meet our revenue and profitability goals we've set for the next five years. But in five years, my goal, my personal goal is to have Fullerton operating at three times the revenue it is now. And more importantly, in the next five years, I'd like to say that Fullerton will be our industry's first choice for turnkey providers. That's my wish for Fullerton. Mm. That's my goal.
1: Kelly, I have no doubt that you are going to achieve that and your team (laughs) and your incredible team, because we know your team, we work with you. Everything you've said today is spot on and it is the way it is. So you walk your talk and your team (laughs) is amazing. So let's hear about this website, this new website. How can we find out more about Fullerton? Yes. You can go to
2: www.fullerton-us.com. You can see our shiny new website. It looks amazing with our new logo and a full rundown of all of our services, along with example projects by each division. So you can kind of see where our specialties and our expertise lie.
1: Kelly, this has been fantastic. I always love talking to you, catching up with you. I leave our conversations feeling so motivated and inspired. So thanks for coming on the show. Of course.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun.
1: Yes. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.